The previous Mishnah spoke about a couple of cases where a woman mistakenly thought that she was divorced and she didn't take enough care to make sure that her divorce was valid and she married another man and later on they found out that her original divorce was invalid which means that she was marrying this new husband illegally while she was still married to her original husband and the Mishnah made a long list of consequences and punishments for this woman for not having been careful enough to make sure that she was fully divorced from her first husband before marrying this new man. And the next couple of Mishnahists bring a couple of more examples where a woman marries somebody, think that it's permitted, and really it's forbidden, and therefore all of these consequences would apply. There's a mitzvah of Yibum, when a man dies without children, there's a mitzvah on his brother to marry the dead man's wife. And the Mishnah at the beginning of Masechus Yavomus teaches that if the dead man's wife is forbidden to be married to the dead man's brother, for example, let's say it's the dead man's brother's daughter. So let's imagine we've got two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, and Reuven married Shimon's daughter, his niece, and that's permitted. And as well as that, Reuven was also married to another woman who wasn't related to anyone, we'll call her Chano. Now it is learned from Psukim that if Reuven dies without any children, then just like Shimon is certainly forbidden to perform Yibum with his daughter, who is Shimon's first wife, because it's forbidden for him to marry her, so too it's forbidden for him to do Yibum with any of the other wives of Ruvain. And the truth is not only are they exempt from Yibum and therefore forbidden to do Yibum, they are also exempt from Chalitza, which means that these women are allowed to marry anybody else even without going through any process of Chalitza, which is generally the thing which allows them to marry somebody else. Over here, since they are exempt from both Yibum and Chalitza, they can straight away marry anybody else. Says the Mishnah, Kol all of the relatives about whom the Chachomim said that their tzorois, who which refers to women who are married to the same husband, are permitted. Meaning, any case where, as a result of one of the wives being related to the dead man's brother, all of the wives are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza, and they are permitted to marry another man. If indeed that is what they did, these tzorois, these co-wives, again, tzorois refers to women who are married to the same husband as this relative was. In our example, Chana. If Chana went and married another man, and afterwards, the other woman who was related to Shimon is found to be an islandist. An islandist is a woman who is not able to have children. And if when Ruvin married her, he didn't know about this, and he found out later on, then the entire marriage was invalid. He never intended to marry a woman who can't have children. And that means that he was never married to Shimon's relative. Which means that Chana was really obligated in Yibum. The only reason why Chana was exempt from Yibum and Chalitza in the first place is because we thought that she was a Tzora of Shimon's daughter. But now it emerges that Shimon's daughter was never married to Ruvain. So only Chana was married to Ruvain, in which case Chana was obligated to do Yibum or Chalitza with Shimon. And meanwhile, she's married another man. Says the Mishnah Tetzim Zel Mizer, she's obligated to be divorced from her new husband and from her Yovam, meaning she's not able to perform Yibum with Shimon. And all of the other consequences which you mentioned in the previous Mishnah would apply in this case, at least according to the opinion of our Mishnah, that any time somebody marries someone forbidden to them, even if it's not such a severe prohibition, in this case it's not a marriage which is forbidden and punished by Kores or a death penalty by Bastin. It's a forbidden marriage, but according to this Mishnah, for any forbidden relationship, the children of that relationship would be considered mamzerim, etc. And therefore all of the consequences of the previous Mishnah would apply in this case as well. Mishnah Zion. 
since we're discussing Yibum, the Mishnah brings another example. And the halacha is that if, let's say, Reuven and Shimon are brothers, and Reuven is married to a number of wives, and then Reuven dies without children, there's a mitzvah on Shimon to perform Yibum or Chalitza with one of Reuven's wives. And as soon as he does that, the other wives are permitted to marry another man, even without receiving Yibum or Chalitza from Shimon. So says the Mishnah, one who marries his Yivama, so Shimon does Yibum with one of Reuven's wives, and that woman's tzora, meaning one of the other wives, she goes and marries another man. And later on, the woman who performed Yibum is found to be an islandess, meaning she's not able to have children, which means that she was never actually married to, to Ruvain, which means that Shimon never actually performed Yibum with this woman, because Yibum is only applicable if she was married to the brother who died. So that wasn't considered to be Yibum, which means that the other wives still require Chalitza before being able to marry someone else. Says the Mishnah, because of that, she would need to be divorced from her new husband, and she wouldn't be able to marry the Yavam, she would require Chalitza from him, and all of the other consequences which you mentioned would apply in this case as well. Mishnah If a scribe wrote a get for a man, in order for the man to give the get to his wife, to divorce her, the Shavala Isha, and he also wrote a receipt for the woman to give to her husband when her husband divorces her. She would write a receipt saying that she received the kasuba, the money which she's entitled to upon being divorced. So he wrote a get to give to the husband and a receipt to give to the woman so that they will give each other, the husband will give the woman a get and the woman will give the husband a receipt. And that is what is supposed to happen. However, the ta'a, the scribe made a mistake, and he gave the document, which was a get, to the woman, and he gave the receipt to the man. And they didn't realize it, and they gave each other's documents to each other. Which means that the husband gave the receipt to the woman, and the woman gave the get to the husband. That's certainly not a valid divorce. The divorce can only take place if the husband gives over the get to the woman. And after a while, it emerges that the get is found in the hands of the man, and the receipt is found to be in the possession of the woman. And they realize what must have happened. There's another example where if she has been wild married another man, she was never divorced from her, hus- from her first husband, and therefore Tetim Zen was there. She would need to be divorced from both her new husband and her original husband, and all of the other consequences would also apply. Rebel Yezu says it's not so simple. If immediately, and that means that before this woman went and married another man, if that's when it emerged that this was the case and they realized that the husband is still in possession of the get, then Ainza get is not considered to be a valid get. And if the husband claims this is what happened, that he never divorced her, then we believe his claim and he would need to divorce her again by giving her a new get. If this emerged only after a while, that the husband is in possession of the get, and meanwhile she has gone and married another man, then if it's the husband who is making this claim, that this, is must, this must be what happened, that they both received the wrong thing from the scribe, and that the get was never given over to the woman, since she has already married another man, how is a get that is considered to be a valid get? And we ignore the claim of the husband. The first man, the original husband, has not got all of the power to destroy and get rid of the merit of the second husband. Meaning, we don't necessarily just believe his claim that this is what happened. And the Gemara explains we're concerned that he might have plotted with his wife. Perhaps he and his wife, or the woman who was his wife, decided that actually they want to remarry each other again. So they swapped get and receipt, 
in order that it appear that they were never divorced, so that she'll have to divorce and stop being with her second husband and go back and remarry her first husband. Now, although that's, although that's not actually the case, if she married the second man illegally, then she'll be forbidden to remarry both husbands, but perhaps they didn't know that, and they were planning on plotting in order to be able to remarry each other like they were married once. And therefore we suspect that they are lying and that really the divorce did happen and therefore she can remain married to her second husband. Alright, continues the Mishnah with a slightly different topic known as Reach Haget, which literally means a smell of a get. And this is a law regarding Koyanim. The Torah says, A Koyan may not marry a woman who is divorced from her husband. Now there is quite an obvious question which needs to be asked in this Pasuk, and that is, why does the Torah have to say that she was divorced from her husband? Divorce by definition means that she was divorced from her husband. Why is the Torah emphasizing that she was divorced from her husband? So it is learned from this Pasuk that if a man divorces his wife and he gives her the get, and he says that you are divorced on condition that you can't marry anybody else. We're going to see in the next period that is invalid. However, the purpose of that get is in order to forbid her to continue being married to him. But it's not permitting her to anybody else. Although for most things that's really considered to be an invalid get, it is enough to invalidate her from marrying a koyain and to be considered a divorcee regarding this halacha. And that's what the Torah is saying, the isha grusha isha, a woman who is divorced only from her husband, meaning the entire thing which that get achieved was only to forbid her to her husband, but it didn't permit her to marry other people. Even in such a case, she would be forbidden to marry a koyain. Now there's a discussion whether this law is midayraisa or midjabonon, but be as it may, the law which the Mishnah is going to discuss is only midjabonon. If somebody wrote a get in order to divorce his wife, and after it was written, v'nimlach, he changed his mind, he didn't actually give it to her. He has invalidated her from marrying a koyain. Even if he then dies, so he doesn't end up actually divorcing her, she is forbidden to marry a koyain, because midjabonon, we also view this as reach haget the smell and the scent of a get. It's not really a v- fully valid get, but, but, but because the process began, so in Jabonon, she is already forbidden to marry a Koyen. We still, I mean, we still say, even if a husband gives her, his wife a get, but he gives it on condition, and the condition was never actually fulfilled, so it comes out that the divorce wasn't valid, even in that case where you actually gave the get to the woman and there was a chance that the divorce would be valid, even in that case he has not invalidated her from marrying a koyain since at the end of the day she wasn't divorced and this is not considered to be a case of a reya haget according to Bez Hillel. Mr. Tetz, I'm a gracious Ishtai, one who divorces his wife and after that, she stayed overnight with him in an inn and there were witnesses who saw that this man and woman were alone together. No witnesses saw them have relations, but they saw they were alone together. She does not require another get from him if she wants to meet, remarry another man, because according to Bishamai, we do not have an assumption that they certainly had relations with each other. So there's no reason to require another divorce according to Bishamai. However, we still, we still say, interestingly, we still are more strict in this case. She requires from him a second get. Because according to Beisillel, since they, they were married to each other and they've had relations with each other before, if witnesses see them be alone together, then heim heim ede yichud, heim heim ede The witnesses who see them be alone together are as good as witnesses who saw them have relations with each other. Because it's so likely that they had relations with each other, they were alone together, and they've had relations to, with each other as long as they were married, and therefore she would require another get. 
Now, this still needs a bit of explanation. Let's assume they did have relations with each other. Why does that mean that he needs to give her another get? You need to give a get to a woman who you're married to. They just had relations with each other. It might be forbidden, but what's that got to do with giving a get? The answer is, one of the ways to perform kiddushin and to acquire a woman for marriage is to have relations with her. Now, if somebody has a relations with a woman, so let's take our case. If he doesn't have the intention to acquire her and to perform kedushin, then they are both doing an avera of having illegal relations. On the other hand, if he is doing it in order to perform kedushin, then it's not illegal relations, quite the opposite. Now, if somebody has a choice to have relations with a woman in a permitted way or a forbidden way, then certainly he chooses the permitted way. And therefore, it is assumed that if, if we know that they had relations, then it can already be assumed that they had relations for the sake of performing Kedushin again, in which case you would require another get. Now, the Mishnah adds that all of this is true, Amosai, when, Bizanshin, Scotchman, and Nesuin, only in a situation where she was divorced from having been fully married to this woman, to this man, and they had had relations before. However, they agree. Bisham and Bissel agree in a situation where she was divorced only after having received Kiddushin from this man, which means that they never actually had relations with each other. They weren't fully married. In that case, she would not require from this man a second get, because we don't have the immediate assumption that if they were alone together, they definitely had relations with each other. They've never had relations with each other before. So that assumption is not made, because his heart is not proud with her, meaning they aren't used to each other's company and relations as much, and therefore even if we know that they were alone together, we don't immediately assume that they had relations. Now the second half of this Mishnah goes back to discuss something more relevant to Koyanim, and a Koyan is forbidden to marry a divorcee. And this even applies to his own wife. If he divorces his wife, he's forbidden to remarry her. And because of that, the Rabbonon instituted that the get written for a koyen is much more complicated and takes a longer time to produce than a regular get. His get is known as a get mukushar, which literally means a tied get. And the way it was made is that a couple of lines of the get were written, and then it was folded over and sewn. And on top of that fold, a witness would sign on that part of the get. And then they would do it again, they would fold it over write a couple of more lines, sew it, so there would be a few sews and a few folds, and at least three folds were necessary, which by extension means that three witnesses were necessary at least to sign on the get, because on each fold there was a need for a witness to sign. And the reason why it was so much more complicated is so that the Koyen can really consider properly whether he wants to divorce his wife or not, and not just divorce her in a rush and then regret it later and not be able to remarry her. Be as it may, let's say we find a get Kushar which has five folds, but only, let's say, three witnesses. So we need to think to ourselves, why are there five folds? He could have just had three folds. It must be there are five folds because the husband told five people to all be witnesses and to organize the writing and signing of the get. And we learned earlier on in the Masechta that if a husband appoints a group of people for all of them to write the get, then all of them need to sign on the get. It's not enough just that just two of them do, but all of them need to. And we assume that if there are five folds in the get, that's because the husband knew that in order for the get to be valid, five people would need to sign on it, because he told five people that all of them need to be involved in the signing of the get. And because of that, if we find such a get where there are more folds than the number of witnesses, meaning not every fold has a witness signed on it, then that get is considered to be invalid. And so the Mishnah says, Kenosa the get kereach. If a man marries a woman who had been divorced with a get kereach, 
and the next Mishnah will define that a get kireach means that the number of folds in the get mekushar are more than the number of witnesses signed on the folds. So then the get is invalid, and that means that she has married another man while she's still married. So Tatsim Zerim is there, she would need to be divorced from both this new husband and her original husband, Vukhalad Rahma Ilubar, and all of the other consequences which we mentioned would also apply.